Atlanta Toyota presents WSB In-Depth. Newt Gingrich, of course, is the former U.S. House Speaker, presidential candidate, prominent Georgian, of course, now a podcaster, too, and co-author of March to the Majority, The Real Story of the Republican Revolution, a book which came out last week. Sir, it is great to have you here this morning. Good morning. Well, listen, it's great to be talking with you. And, uh, you know, uh, all the work I did, I did while representing Georgia in Congress. So March the Majority is really about what Georgians helped us get done in uh, taking control of the House for the first time in 40 years. I tell you, it's terrific having a chance to chat with you. Thank you very much. I want to talk more about your book in just a moment, but the obvious first uh, news question is just broadly your reaction to the last few days, the Trump uh, federal indictment and the arraignment yesterday. Well, I think it's a very dangerous time for the country. I think that to have a the leading political challenger uh, being indicted by Democrats, uh, you know, Democrats in New York, a Democrat in Atlanta may indict him. Uh, he's being indicted by the Democrat appointee in Miami. They have a grand jury in the in D.C. In where Trump got 5% of the vote. So 19 out of every 20 people uh, voted against him. Uh, this is the most political process we've ever seen, and I think it's extraordinarily dangerous. I'm hearing from Republican friends not only one of these things, but but both in many cases over the last few days. Selective prosecution, as you're just uh, hinting that, but at the same time, boy, is he in trouble. You know, you tell me, do you pick one or the other of those, or do you acknowledge both? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know that he's in trouble. Uh, I mean, it, it depends, for example, and as he said last night in Bedminster, uh, the 1917 Espionage Act, was basically written to uh, deal with uh, giving secrets to foreigners. I mean, nobody has suggested that uh, Trump was engaged in that kind of espionage, yet that's the act that they decided to prosecute him under because the fact is that the uh, Presidential Papers Act is not a criminal act. It's a civil act. Uh, and and the, uh, as, as, as Trump himself cited, there's a Supreme Court decision involving Bill Clinton in which the court said, look, the president has very wide power to deal with his own papers, and the, uh, the National Archives does not have final control. The president does. So you look at all that stuff, and I, don't, I have no idea whether or not they can, they can convict him. Yeah. What they can do is they can tie him up, uh, keep him off the campaign trail. You know, if he's got – I mean, what they're trying to do by legal behavior and by lawyers, what they can't do with public opinion. Uh, and Trump, in that sense, I think is in exactly the same pattern. I'm going to do a podcast about this tomorrow uh, at Newt's World. Uh, he's exactly in the same position as Bud Light or, or Traffic or, or, or Target or uh, the, the Los Angeles Dodgers involvement with an anti-Catholic hate group. I mean, <clears throat> you're going to see the country react. Uh, the first polls we saw after he was indicted, he actually gained four points because people just were fed up. Let's talk about Georgia then. Uh, Governor Kemp's becoming one of the, the prominent Republican voices in the country. He's done it at least partly by, or you could argue probably because, he has distanced himself from uh, the Trump MAGA part of the Republican Party. What do you make of that when you see it happening in your home state? Well, look, I think Governor Kemp has done an extraordinarily good job as governor. I think he's been very straight with people about who he is. Uh, if, if DeSantis does not do a better job in the next three or four months, I wouldn't be at all shocked to see Governor Kemp get in the race for president. Uh, 
Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he's a formidable person. The question is, when, when you get into that argument inside the Republican primary, uh, is, it, is it in the end going to carry water? Uh, the last poll I saw in Georgia showed Trump would carry Georgia in the Republican primary against anybody, including Kemp. So uh, I think Trump right now is at 61% in the national polls on, on uh, the Republican primary voters. Uh, and at 61%, if, you know, he, he would like to have about 10 more candidates out there uh, to divide up the, the rest of the vote and make sure that all of them are out there squabbling so that none of them can emerge as a real competitor. Would you call Georgia purple after this last couple election cycles or alternately have, have a couple of the recent Republican uh, big-ticket campaigns here been lacking? Well, I, I would say, excuse me, I would say it's, a, it's, a, it's largely a red state uh, with really bad Senate races. Uh, but, I, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's not as red as it used to be. But I think if you look at the legislature, you look at the House delegation, uh, you look at the statewide offices other than the Senate, uh, it's still pretty heavily Republican. And I think as Biden fails, as inflation continues to set in, and as people just get fed up with a border that's open and with uh, all the problems of the Biden administration and with the radicalism of the Biden administration, I suspect Georgia will become uh, pretty reliably Republican again. So your book, your new book, which is out last week, is all about what is called the Republican Revolution. That's a whole generation ago now, crazily enough. It makes me feel old. I won't ask you, but you helped mastermind <laughs> back at that time winning a House majority. And, you know, nostalgia almost sets in. The size of that majority seems just impossible for either party to grasp at this moment, right? Well, part of the reason that I wrote March to the Majority is that we learned a lot of lessons in the 16 years that I worked on getting to be a majority. Uh, it, was, it turned out to be a lot bigger mountain than I thought, and we had to work, you know, we lost in 80, 82, 84, 86, 88, 90, and 92, and finally had figured it out and won in 94, and we picked up 54 seats. So it was, it was a pretty amazing moment. Nobody had won a majority for Republicans since 1954, and then we governed well enough working with Clinton, that we actually maintained our majority in 1996 for the first time since 1928. And that shifted the whole balance of power in Washington. We went from a place where Republicans had never been in a majority for, you know, four decades to a place where the Republicans since then have had a majority for most of the time. And that's an enormous shift from uh, where we had been. Uh, nostalgia I have found is largely for people who weren't there, right, who didn't have to do it. But as rough and tumble as those years were, and again, it's easy to look to rose-colored glasses, that era now does have kind of a, a those-were-the-days quality about it, from the outside at least. Do you feel any, what you would call nostalgia for those times, or, or you know, when you look at what things have become versus that, what goes through your mind? Well, I, I, I actually think that the negotiations between President Biden and, and Speaker McCarthy over the debt ceiling were very much in the tradition of the negotiations that we had with Bill Clinton. Uh, so in that sense, I, it, it's just kind of like deja vu all over again, the quote Yogi Berra. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I think um, we worked extraordinary. The biggest thing that, that we learned, and Joe Gaylord, who had been my partner, when we when we worked on, on the book and laid it out, uh, we, were, we were sort of exhausted by, you know, we, 16 years is a long time. And we had literally worked crisscross the country 
uh, developed a, a training program that was sending out 55,000 audio tapes every month from GOPAC. Uh, the training programs, uh, Gaylord figured out that he had talked to about 90,000 students over the course of the campaign for 16 years. And you know, so it was, it was really hard work. On the other hand, it was very exciting. Uh, we, we had a chance to, to balance the budget for four straight years, the, the only time in your lifetime. We had a chance. Reagan had proposed welfare reform in 1965 and said that uh, the best social program is a job. We finally passed it in 1996, 31 years later. I mean, uh, it was a very exhilarating time in that sense. And uh, I think in March, the majority, I try to lay out for people principles that they can apply today. This, This is not just a history book. This is a book about the things that work in a free society and how you can use them and how you can do them to solve our problems today. March to the Majority, The Real Story of the Republican Revolution is the book. Newt's World is the podcast. Thank you very much for your time this morning, sir. We appreciate it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.